On today's episode of For the Love of the Game, Steve and I get into a few topics from over the weekend that really pissed us off. Got a little bit of grievances to air out a little bit. Then we get into talking about the NBA bubble. Got a few headlines uh, from the bubble over the past week. Get into a little bit of NFL news. The New England Patriots are getting $8 million in cap space from the Antonio Brown and Aaron Hernandez deals. So we will dive into that and break that down a little bit. And of course, we're going to break down some golf betting as well. We're going to recap our last week's bets um, and who we like for this week's tournament at the Memorial um, as well. So make sure you stay tuned. Here comes another episode of For the Love of the Game. going on everybody welcome into another episode of for the love of the game we are presented by unwrapped sports i am your host mark belville as always i'm joined by my co-host steve lewis and the newest member of the unwrapped sports network what's going on steve how you doing today doing great mark doing fantastic wish we're coming off a better weekend but you know yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get to that. A uh, little housekeeping I want to do for you guys because a lot has uh, changed actually in, in a, just under a week since we've talked to you guys uh, last. So I want to start off by talking about Unwrapped Sports Network. We are the first show in their new live lineup of shows that they are going to be doing weekly, uh, weekly schedule. So Monday um, through Sunday, we'll have something going on for you. Um, and we are kicking it off tonight. Uh, with that, so make sure you guys follow at Unwrapped Sports on Twitter for your latest updates and, and check out those shows um, each and every night. Also want to talk to you guys a little bit about um, RX Hemp B, um, us at R- uh, Unwrapped Sports. We are partnering with them. Um, they are a CBD pain treatment cream. You can follow them uh, at RX Pain Cream, and their website is rxhemp.com. So basically for all you athletes out there, anybody playing sports, going to the gym, you guys got some little aches and pains, you know, after your workouts and things like that. I know me, I still play men's league basketball. I'm definitely going to try some of this stuff. You rub that stuff on you and it gets rid of it's instant relief. You know, you're laughing, but I got aches and pains after I'm getting older. So definitely try out this cream and I know I'm going to try it out. Um, and like I said, go follow them on Instagram at RX pain cream. Um, and they have a website as well. RXHemp.com. So I'm not um, laughing. I, w- I you were smiling. I wear ankle braces to work every day. So I'm, there you go. <laughs> it's you're getting I, I old. Cream, I might just cream myself. Just exactly. All right. <laughs> All right, man, let's get into the show. We're going to start out. Uh, we're going to talk about some things over the weekend. We've got a little bit of grievances to air out, Steve and I. Uh, some things over the weekend that kind of kind of pissed us off a little bit. Um, so I'm going to let Steve start. Um, go ahead, Steve. I'm pissed. I'm pissed about a few things. I'm pissed first with the golf network. So... CBS, right? Not Golf Channel, CBS. No, well, so... Both. Both. All right, so final round coverage. There was the rain. There was rain coming in for the final round. They had to push the tee times up, so they started the golf rounds at 7. They had to push the... Actually, the final grouping went out at 9 o'clock, so normally, if anybody knows golf coverage, the final groups don't start until 2, 3 o'clock, which is normally when CBS picks up coverage. So they had to start coverage on the Golf Channel. Whatever. We'll deal with that. So we go to the golf channel. We were watching the golf channel. Next thing you know, it's 11 o'clock and they, and they completely just turn it off. Like they, they go to their golf pregame. I'm watching golf pregame for a golf tournament. That's already started. What's going on? Why are we watching <laughs> golf? Why are we watching golf pregame for, for, for the, <laughs> when the tournament's already going on? I don't know what's going on. So whatever, 15, 20 minutes going on. I'm watching Justin Thomas highlights. Like, is this going to end soon? I don't know. So next thing you know, I see a blip on the bottom. If you want to, if you want to watch the golf, go to CBS.com and you can stream it live. What is that? Like you have live golf coverage on. We we just went through 
four months of watching taped coverages of 20 years of games that we weren't able to watch live. And now we have a live tournament going on and you're making me not be able to watch it. And not only that, as soon as they come back to the coverage at one o'clock, they restart coverage over again at the very, very beginning. So after we've already seen the front, the front nine, we already saw the front nine. So they're on the 17th hole and yet they're showing the first hole again. (laughs) What? Like what's going on? You know? So they had it. So basically what it came down to is the playoff is going on and you're not being able to watch it live. And they blew it. Like you had a chance to watch a great playoff live and you couldn't watch it live. What's the point? Like, I don't want to watch it on CBS at 630 at night when I already know what's going to happen. No, which sucks because the golf tournament throughout the whole round was unbelievable. You had Hovland making a move early. He was three under through his first like seven holes. JT was going back and forth. Colin Morikawa was making huge putts and all this stuff leading up to that playoff. We were missing all the action unless you were following it on your phone or something like that. Uh, But you weren't able to see it live, which was it was terrible. I mean, that's just a bad look for Golf Channel, CBS, whoever was involved with all that. The 12 o'clock hits and then I'm watching the David Faraday show. Like, <laughs> like what? Like, just put the golf back on. Like, you this, don't, these you guys know, are literally you know. going into the back nine on a on a Sunday, in a tournament where there's three guys in contention at that point. Any one of them could win it, and then it flips over to David Faraday live. <laughs> and and like I get it. Like you got to do your ads, and you got you got all these stuff that you ha- you owe money towards. But like, at least at one o'clock when you have the coverage back on your on your network. Don't restart it from the first hole again. At least just come back to it and watch it live from the 16th, 17th hole. Like, what are you doing? Like, it made no sense. They blew it. And I I, I was beside myself. I'm watching it on my computer. It's there, there was instant blackouts left and right. It was garbage. And like you said, like, it was fantastic to watch. We watched... Justin Thomas blow a three-stroke lead with three holes left to Colin Morikawa. We got to a playoff where Justin Thomas hit a 60-footer, and then Colin Morikawa unbelievable putt, man, yeah, unbelievable. And then, and then Colin Morikawa had a match with a 24-footer just to be able to get. Dude, which was crazy about that 24-foot putt is in regulation on 18. Uh, Justin Thomas had a putt on the same line that was about maybe uh, 10 feet, nine to 10 feet, and he missed it. So Morikawa knew exactly what that putt was going to do because Thomas just had it one hole pre- prior to that. And then and then to follow up on that, when they get to the second playoff hole, they replay the 18th again, and Justin Thomas gets that same putt again, and he knows the break. And the funniest thing is his dad's on the course <laughs> with him. Yeah. And, and his dad is kind of like his second caddy, and what he does is he leans. And that's how he tells his break. So, like, you're watching his dad, and he's like this. And you're like, and you're like all right. <laughs> his dad's telling him, like, it's hit the ball left, Justin. Like, do that. And he's still missing. And he just play. had the same putt, which I thought for sure he was making it. There was, with, it was good as Justin Thomas is. There's no way I thought he would miss that putt. Same, same exact putt. And, and, yeah, and he missed it. I couldn't believe that he, that he actually choked that lead. But, like I said, like, they blew it. It was a great opportunity to watch a live event. And – and like I said, with I understood the push-up with the rain coverage, but who cares about the David Faraday show at 12 o'clock? Nobody cares about the David Faraday show o'clock. Nobody cares about your pregame coverage at 11 o'clock when the tournament's already going on. Why are you having a pregame show? It was the Doesn't make any sense. Nope. <laughs> All right, one other thing I want to get to from this past weekend was UFC 251. Couple things uh, with that fight card. It was a great card as far as the names. We had three title fights and whatnot, but there was a couple things from that card uh, that was kind of just uh, upsetting a little bit. We're going to talk about the uh, Max Holloway fight uh, versus Alexander Volkanovsky. Um, definitely thought Holloway won that fight. Um, looks like he was definitely teeing off on him and, and definitely outpointed him. It went down to a decision. I, I get in a championship fight, you know, as a challenger, you really got to make it. You know, you really got to tune the champ up in order to win by decision. But I think Holloway did that, and I and I think he did get screwed on a decision there. Um, and then also the main event uh, with Masvidal versus Usman, it was just a boring fight. But you and I, Steve, we watched this fight together, and we even said it beforehand. We we're like, this is exactly what's going to ha- happen. Usman's going to get a hold of him. He's going to get Masvidal in the clinch, 
And then that's how he's going to beat him. He's not going to let Masvidal stand up with him and try to tee off on him and use his power. Um, and that's exactly what Usman did. He had him in the clinch. He was pointing him. He was stepping on his foot. He had those foot stumps. Uh, he kept doing that. Um, and like you said, it was just boring. It was like literally we were just watching him stomp on the guy's foot the whole time. Um, and Usman ended up winning that fight. It was really a no, no contest and a no-brainer. He clearly won it. Uh, but it was just boring. What was your takeaway from UFC 251? Well, my grievance is with David White. Like, yeah. He's one of the most outspoken presidents. And he's willing to absolutely crucify anybody that works for him. And he went right after his judges, says that we have a judging problem. And in most combat sports, boxing is definitely one of the most fixed sports in any sport. And called out his judging right off the bat and actually asked reporters, like, did anybody score that fight the other way? And my thing was, like, if you know that that fight wasn't scored correctly then why, why is it not getting changed? Like, why can't you fix it? Like, like, it, it like as, reminded, the, as the president, why can't you go back and fix it? Yeah, like, it kind of reminded me of, like, and I know it's not realistic. I know the WWF is not real, but it's back in the day, like, when, like, they used to have the one-on-one matches and then somebody would run down to the ring, knock out the referee with, like, a chair, and then and then they would throw a chair into another play uh, of the other wrestler. He would knock him out and then they would roll the referee back in. And then he would be all unconscious, didn't know what happened. And then they would count the three count. And then Vince McMahon would run back down and then he would re-ring the bell again and be like, <laughs> no, restart that match again. Like, that Yeah, exactly. You, Danny can do that. <laughs> yeah. If, if the president knows that the match was garbage and you know that it was wrongly called, like you have to fix it some way somehow, and I know they that should just you know when Dana goes up and he wraps the belt around the champ. If he thinks it's wrong, he should just go to the other guy and wrap the belt around him instead. Like you, you know, you know that'd be good. That'd be cool, right? It's just crazy to me. Like I like you you know that like it's a bad decision, but if you're gonna openly scrutinize it the way he does, like you've got to be willing to change it. You got to be willing to do something about it. And as far as the Masvidal fight goes. Listen, like we we deal with things like that with Daniel Cormier. I wish we had like Monique on, like you know the resident, uh, the UFC queen. Uh, Daniel Cormier wins fights like just like that. He'll wear people down, pushing them into the cage. He'll lay on them, and it was kind of the same way in that fight. But just to watch a guy outpoint somebody by just stomping them on the foot, like it just kind of was just a boring fight. We definitely all expected more. We wanted more fireworks for sure because every. I think the lead up to it was like Masvidal. Every fight that he had was, you know, he fought Ben Asher and he had the quickest knockout with the flying knee right off of the jump. And then you have him fight Nate Diaz in the uh, baddest motherfucker uh, match um, and win that belt. And he just tuned up Diaz where they had to stop the fight. Um, so you're expecting more fireworks, but Usman did what he does best. I mean, he was able to. Um, get him in the clinch, and, and like you said, man, stomp on his foot um, and just hold him there, and there's nothing Masvidal could do. It was just, it was a boring fight, but sometimes sometimes fights are boring. Like, I'll kind of relate it if boxing, like you're looking at, a lot of people hate on Floyd Mayweather um, for just outpointing people in boxing. He doesn't knock people out, but he'll just stick and move. He'll, he'll, get, he'll get his jab working and whatnot. But it's That's boring different. to watch. It's boring. Yeah, but it's boring to watch Mayweather fight because he doesn't go for knockouts, and he's just, you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of along the same lines. Yeah, but he's a technical fighter. He's defensive. Like, there's, there's, that's different to me. Yeah, but Usman's technical. Like, right? He's, he knew what he had to do to win. He did it. I guess it's a different kind of fighting style. I mean, I get yeah. where you're coming from, the point that you're trying to make. But like we're saying, like, it's two contra- contracting, uh, contrasting styles. Like, we, we watched Masvidal kind of like the Kimbo Slice things where he used to go in backyards and just kind of like throw hands with people. So yeah. that's kind of what we wanted to see in the circumstances. And that's what Usman wasn't allowing him to do, wasn't going to allow him to throw hands because odds are if he was able to throw hands with him. He's probably going to lose. But from a casual fan that just kind of wants to see something like that, like we we never really got that out of that card. So, I mean, and not, not to mention that the card didn't get over till 2 o'clock our time anyway. So, I mean. Oh, it was awful, dude. I was, was, like, I was looking for anything to have any sort of drama to keep me up. And I was I was asleep. We were watching that outside. And I was yeah. I was watching you. <laughs> I thought you were yeah. going to fall asleep. Dude, I was almost falling asleep. It was boring, man. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. I mean, yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Let's get into some. Uh, let's get into some NBA bubble news. Uh, we've been hearing a lot of uh, things going on in the bubble down there all week. Um, I'm going to start off with uh, the player accommodations. A lot of players are okay with it. 
But there are some players who are all over Twitter and Instagram posting pictures of the food, posting pictures of the uh, hotel uh, amenities and, and whatnot, and the rooms. You had Rajon Rondo saying that it looks like a Motel 6. Um, and some players, <laughs> I mean, he got what was coming to him, I guess. Karma's, Karma's a bitch, right? I mean, he's out eight weeks now with a thumb injury, broken thumb. Um, but it's just, you know, Jay, I'll, I'll, I'll get it back to take it back to what Jay Williams said. He was on ESPN and he was talking about like what a bad look it is for these NBA players to be complaining about staying at, at Disney and, and at that resort when you have play uh, people every day, hardworking people like you and I, Steve, everyday workers who we literally live paycheck to paycheck. We, you know, we can only afford certain things. We don't have millions sitting in the bank. We literally have to go to work every day. You know, our employers aren't paying us you know, extra money. And we're out there on the front line dealing with people every day. These players, these NBA players are actually getting paid to be safe. Like they're in the safest environment. They could be their boss, the NBA and Adam Silver are making sure that they're in the safest place possible. And they're getting paid to do it on top of it. You know, and us everyday people were not. So it's just a bad look for the NBA is what Jay Williams was saying. And I definitely agree with that. I mean, they're staying at Disney. Like people pay thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to go to Disney. Like that's not the worst place that they could be. Their rooms are not bad. They don't. It's definitely not Motel 6. I don't know what Rondo was thinking. The food is always is always good. Um, What do you think, Steve? I mean, that's not really a good look for the players. I want to go to Disney. And if I was staying in one of those rooms, I'd be pretty happy on vacation if I had that opportunity. I'll start there. Secondly, it just goes to show you how well pampered these players are on a regular basis when they are on the road in general. If we thought that they lived a lavish life, well, if that's really bothering them, then we really know that they really do have it made. I always think about the uh, the Like Mike movie. Remember when Little Bow first <laughs> realizes room he was service? in the foster home? Yeah, he was in the foster home. But then remember when he realizes room service? And, he, and yeah. he's like, I can order anything that I want. And then you see the big <laughs> spread and he's got yeah. the lobster and he's got the ice creams and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Like to a T, like that's their life. Like, and you yeah. know, so when they're showing you like those meals and, and like, I understand, like they don't look like the most appetizing things, but as soon as like that picture went out the first day, what did the NBA do? They went out and they got, they got a real live chef. And they made accommodations for like six, six restaurants to come in and make sure that the, the, uh, the food was much better after that came out. Yeah. As far as the rooms came out, we knew that there was going to be only so many hotels that were going to be able to offer stay. So we knew some teams were going to get better accommodations than others. But come on, Rajon, like that hotel room that you showed us a picture of was not a Motel 6. <laughs> I've stayed in a Motel 6. It's like a <laughs> seven inch TV. It's like, oh, like yeah. Uh, no wi-fi people, <laughs> people know what a motel six was that was not a motel six yeah. the complaint that they can have is exactly what we talked about a couple weeks ago what these guys were going to be able to do for three months and it basically looks like an all-boys summer camp is going on there basically they, they have their own little dance parties they have game rooms you know, like just little things that they can try to figure out. And it looks like they're getting bored with it already. A lot of guys are saying, a lot of guys saying it brings it back to like their AAU days when they would travel with their teams and stay in hotels and whatnot. Exactly. You know, except they're in Disney world. Yeah. And, and I think exactly. And the fact that they're over 21 years old and they can do whatever they want. And the fact that they're told that they can't do these things now that bothers them. So that's where we, we, we differentiated, right? Like you said that, like, they're going down there to do a job. They're after a championship. And then my mind state was, no, they're down there. They're not yeah. gonna be able, they're not gonna be able to handle themselves very well. And what we they've been down there for a week, Mark. And what have we learned so far about these fellas? Well, it's, it's they can't keep their hormones under control, basically, is what we learned. As there has been an IG model that came out and said that she had already been invited to the bubble. Uh now I was, you know, last a couple of shows ago. You you called it, yeah. You could like you called it. I'll admit I was wrong because I said I said these guys would be all business down there that they'd have whatever they needed, you know, whatever you know. Obviously the NBA was accommodating them with the video games, the 2K, the game room, the barbers, the massage therapists, whatever they needed. The NBA was going to give them, but you called it, man. You said these guys are going to need some women, and that's exactly what <laughs> what happened. Not even a week into it, and that's what we're getting to. And then you had you did some research about some NBA players that follow this girl. So you, we kind of might know it hasn't come out with who said who invited her, but we might've found out. 
Well, basically, there was a woman that just blew up a spot saying that uh, an NBA player hit her up to like break uh, to come in the bubble. And as easy as it is, all you had to do is say, all right, who follows this girl on Twitter? And it was two NBA players. One's retired and one's in the bubble. It was Montrez Hell. That's all it is. So, so we're I mean, not it, saying it, Montrez Harrell invited her, but we're saying yeah, we're not saying that Montrez Harrell probably invited her. <laughs> but we're not saying we, he wasn't the one that invited him invited her. So like, yeah. it, it wasn't that hard to figure out who it was. But I'm just saying, like, come on, like, and then and then today we found out that two players already broke quarantine. One was yep. for food. One was for food, and what was the other one for? I didn't even say, but one was Bruno Caboclo from the Houston Rockets. He broke quarantine accidentally. Both of these guys say they accidentally broke quarantine. I don't know how you accidentally break quarantine. I don't know if the the map is uh, not well outlined of where the quarantine lines are, where you can go and where you can't go. Um, and then Rashawn Holmes broke broke the bubble. He broke quarantine because he went to go pick up food because Kelly Oubre tweeted that. He said, he said to all his NBA guys, he said, Postmates delivers right to your hotel lobby. All you got to do is go down and get it. Well, it turns out that that's not the case. And Rashawn Holmes went to meet his Postmates delivery guy, and it was outside the bubble quarantine. <laughs> so then Oubre tweeted, he's like, oh, my bad. Like, <laughs> basically, gotta, set, give him, like, set the guy up. House arrest bracelets. Like if they get too far, it starts beeping, and they only have like a certain amount of time to like get back in the lines before they break quarantine completely. Like that—that's yeah. got to be the rules. So yeah, they so, need to have something on them when they get close to the line. It just starts beeping, like beep, 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 and then so, that's when you know just back up, just get, get away from so the now, line. So now those players are quarantined for fourteen. So they're days, right? for, well, actually, they said they're only quarantined for eight days because I'm assuming <laughs> they got tested. Like I'm assuming they got tested already. If you break quarantine, you'll probably get tested right away. And they haven't been they haven't tested positive for, for COVID. Um so obviously that's a good sign. Um but there have been two uh players out of the recent testing. Uh, 332 players were tested and two were tested positive inside the bubble. Um names haven't come out yet on who those two players were, but we did get two big positive tests um that were named um that are outside the bubble currently which was Russell Westbrook and James Harden of the Houston uh, Rockets, which actually doesn't come as uh, much of a surprise. A lot of people were kind of wondering why they didn't travel to uh, Orlando uh, with the Houston Rockets, Um, and now we see why. Um, And both of those guys do have to quarantine now um, for about 14 days, I believe, until they're healthy and and able to pass a few tests before they can come down to the bubble to help out the Rockets. So if they they can't get healthy, obviously that's huge um, and hurts Houston's chances big time. Absolutely. You know, and I think people suspected something was off when they didn't travel with the team, like you said. So, yeah, that's a huge blow. And and it kind of was weird once the Russell Westbrook news came out, you kind of felt like the James Harden news was going to follow that. And I mean, I guess it's better that it happened now rather than later. But as this keeps happening, trickling down, like you wonder, like, is this really going to work? You know, you've got guys that are kind of doing what they're doing now. And and like you said, we had these we have this IG model like already like blowing up somebody's spots and we're, we're only a week into the bubble games haven't even we're what yeah. weeks away from the games even starting yet and we're already dealing with issues as of right now so yeah good, good news is chris haynes reported that uh from yahoo sports reported that nobody has used the snitch hotline yet so i guess that, i guess that's good they have a legit snitch hotline um yeah. and, and nobody's used it because because d'angelo russell's not down there if d'angelo russell was down there <laughs> he'd be snitching like crazy like crazy well they they made JR like JR Smith was down when he was when he showed up, like he was going Instagram live to blow up. Dude, he was going crazy. And they and they immediately had to like get him out of there. Like they had to t- t- tell him to stop doing that because they were worried that he was gonna do too much and he was gonna mm-hmm. catch people in a peculiar situation. So, you know, yeah, it is what and it, it turns is. out like these guys are doing whatever they want to do. Um, with these two guys, obviously. I mean, who knows? Maybe they didn't know they were breaking the the guy the the bubble. I mean, but I kind of like I said before, I find it hard to believe that they didn't know that. But it's like these guys are just not interested in what they got going on down there um, at the bubble. I mean, you see a lot of guys fishing, a lot of guys playing golf. Um, but like you threw, they threw three pool parties with three uh, DJs at the three locations that they're staying, and nobody showed up. You had Dwight Howard was the only guy that showed up to one. And then one other guy showed up to another one at two separate hotels. So Dwight Howard was just chilling at the pool party by himself. You know? Yeah, exactly. Anthony Davis outed him on that and said Dwight was just hanging out by himself. Uh, And so these guys, it just looks like they're not interested in doing whatever the NBA has set up for them to do. Um, And and that's why it does make me a little nervous, but with the corn, with the, I'm sorry, with the coronavirus test 
two out of 332 players, that's actually a good sign. That's down from 16 a couple weeks ago. Absolutely. And like I said, I just hope the NBA, like we learned that they had a pool party. They were serving slushies. Like, like treat them like men. Like they're not boys. Like, you know, <laughs> give, give them a couple beers. All from and, a beer. And I, and I will say this, like, I, I think they are a little bit kind of like around the clock, kind of like jumping around just because games haven't started yet. I think once the games start getting going and like the schedule start ramping up, I think uh, everything will kind of like settle into place. I think right now everyone's just starting to see everybody again and they're kind of moving around. Like I saw a uh, Bojan Boyanovic and then uh, Tobias Harris saw each other. for the first Rekindling, time. Their, I, rekindling it, their friendship. And if, and if you guys haven't seen that with they, they those two have put like like think of like uh remember the uh the MTV show Big Black and uh Rob Deerdeck? Yeah. Like those two had like an odd couple like uh reality show on YouTube. Like and like if you haven't got the chance to like check that out, check those uh, that check the that uh that show out. Like those two are hilarious together. And like they kind of had a, like a rekindling of a relationship in the bubble. Like it's definitely worth checking out. But like I think that's what's going on right now. A lot of these guys haven't seen to get uh, a lot of people together in a while. And now that you have like all the NBA in one circle, a lot of these guys are friends outside of each other's teams. I think people are kind of moving about it too. So we'll see. But like you said, with the testing and the viruses, like it's good that Russell and Harden got caught before they came back down with it. And uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes from here. But let's just get the games going. Let's just get because we're watching, yeah. we're watching we're watching the TBT tournament that's in the championship, right? And that seems like it's working yeah. out pretty well. Yeah, they're doing a pretty good job. One quick thing I want to get into, I kind of touched on it with Rondo's injury and everything like that. He broke his thumb, so he's going to be out eight weeks. Um, A lot of people are saying that Rondo should just leave the bubble and let the Lakers sign somebody else or bring somebody else in, uh, which Rondo's not going to do that. That would be stupid for him to do because it's only eight weeks, um, and the Lakers are poised to make a deep run, so he'll probably be able to come back at some point. And plus, if Rondo left, he would lose all the money that he's going to get by staying down there. So um, he's definitely not leaving. Um, but how do you think that affects the Lakers' chances? Um, I mean, I, I don't think Rondo – I mean, Rondo wasn't playing that good this year. His defense was lacking this year. Um, but I do think Rondo helps spell LeBron a little bit when LeBron's on the bench and ha- gives him another ball handle, another guy who can run the offense. So I think they, they'll do miss him uh, – they will miss him in that aspect of the game. Uh, but what do you think? Does this kind of hamper or damper the Lakers' title chances, or is it kind of just like that? just move on? Rondo wasn't really a big part to begin with. Well, it definitely makes LeBron have to handle the ball more. Um, as a Celtics fan, I mean, not seeing Avery Bradley and Rajon Rondo on, on the Lakers makes me a little happier. Uh, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, I, I hear you. You know, but. I can I agree mean, with we, that. I mean, we talked about it. I, playoff Rondo is a different Rondo. And I know a lot of people don't think that Rajon Rondo is a good basketball player anymore. And they're going to focus on the flaws of him not being able to shoot very well. But he's never been able to shoot the basketball very well. He's never been a great defensive player but in big games and big moments that dude shows up and i'd rather have a rajon rondo being a catalyst of a team than not being a catalyst of a team and we saw when rajon rondo was was anchoring uh the pelicans with anthony davis and boogie cousins how much better he made those two bigs go and to think that he didn't doesn't make dwight howard and anthony davis better when he's on the court with those guys it's just laughable to me. So I think that it's a huge loss in my opinion. And like you said, like, why wouldn't you want Rajon Rondo on the court with all his experience? And I'm sure LeBron feels the same way. Now you have to really lean on guys like Caruso to give you dominant minutes. And I, and, and yeah. what, and Quinn cook, like who are you so, going to trust more? You know what I mean? Yeah. And let's not, let's not like, let's not pretend that playoff Rondo is not a real thing. Like people want right. to say that it's not like, it's real. Like go all the way back to his Boston days. When he was in Chicago, uh, when they played the Celtics in the first round, um, the Celtics were the one seeder. They were they were highly highly seeded. They probably would have won that series had Rondo not got hurt. And then, like you said, with the Pelicans, uh, with Cousins and AD, the guy just shows up for the for the for the playoffs in prime time. We used to call him out here in Boston when we played. We used to call him primetime Rondo. It was every time he was on prime time, it felt like he was going to get a triple double easily. Yeah. And obviously, he's. He, he he came back in with a dislocated shoulder versus the Heat. Dominated. Yeah. yeah. He put he played on a torn ACL. Didn't know he had a torn ACL until after the game. Remember mm-hmm. that game? You know. Oh, yeah. So like the guys just built differently. 
So to see yeah, that, I mean, like, let's not let's not say I mean let's not say he's the same player that he was back then. No. Uh, but he's definitely somebody who's been in the trenches and somebody you would want to go to go to battle with. Um, has tons of playoff experience, and, and you could a guy you can trust more than say a Caruso or, or somebody like that down the stretch. And like you said, without him, I mean, who else do you really have as a primary ball handler? I mean, LeBron's going to have to be playing. I mean, he just had three, four months off, so I mean, I'm sure he can, but he's going to have to be playing like 42 minutes a game. This will definitely be another moment for LeBron to to get a notch on his belt if he's able to pull this one off, just because like we've talked about, this is kind of like a different venture. Like this is a different kind of championship run. And and honestly, going into this, while he did add J.R. Smith to his roster, and I think we debated this whether or not that was an upgrade to Avery Bradley, uh, leaving the team a couple of weeks ago, this is going to be an interesting journey for him. So now knowing that he's going to be predominantly the point guard going into this. And, and like we said, like for them, at least in these first eight games going to the playoffs, like this will definitely be a time for Caruso and Quinn cook now to get dominate minutes. Cause they're definitely going to have to try to work on something differently. But I think this, what projects Rondo possibly back by the Western conference finals, if he does get yeah. back in time. Yeah. So, and knowing the kind of person that Rajon Rondo is, 68 weeks, I highly doubt a broken thumb is going to keep him out 68 weeks. That's a timetable, but knowing Rajon Rondo, if he's if he's going to be back, he'll probably be back within a month. That's yeah, and he'll be rehabbing like crazy. I mean, he's stuck in the same spot, so he's yeah. not going to be going anywhere. He's going to be constantly working with that team and rehabbing it to get back. So, um, want to move on. Want to just get into a little bit of NFL news uh, really quickly. Want to talk about the. Uh, national nightmare, as my partner likes to call him, the New England Patriots, um, who just received $8 million in cap space from the Antonio Brown and Aaron Hernandez deal. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you're our resident Patriots guy, man, so I'm going to you know, hand this one over to you. Uh, let us know what's going on in, in New England. I mean, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for giving the Patriots $8 million in cap like a team that was desperately in need of any sort of money coming into this off season that didn't look like they were going to have any room to maneuver somehow manufactured uh, a 2015 MVP as their quarterback on a veteran deal. And now news broke that they got $8 million in cap back from Antonio Brown, which I thought they were going to win some money back, but then they somehow Aaron Hernandez's name popped up in the news, which like I, was six like, years later was the last name that you thought was going to pop up in the news. But yeah, they all, they won that suit. And I guess they won the suit. They didn't win the suit. I guess they won basically the agreements. It was like half of what they paid basically Brown half of what he was owed. And the reason why they got half of it back was while he was on the team still, he was still detrimental by sending those text messages out before they actually released them. So while they still brought him in from Oakland, knowing that he had that baggage and they had to cut him because of that baggage, he still made errors in that week, which is crazy to say that he was that careless in the week that he was there, whether it was with the, the nonsense of Robert Kraft, or it was just his social, uh, social media prowess with, with what he was saying for marks wise. But yeah, they were able to get $8 million back. And now they're in a situation where they can either use that to sign Joe Tooney, which uh, they had to franchise or, now they can go into free agency and they can possibly look to maybe sign a Jadavian Clowney. And I know people are saying, well, Jadavian Clowney is asking for $17, $18 million a year. Steve, how is that possible? Well, guess what? No one's giving Jadavian Clowney nah. a, a He would have got that deal. deal already. I mean, he would have got that deal already if somebody was willing to give it to him. Exactly. So and why not typical, go to the New England Patriots? And in typical, and, and then you're like, well, if he's asking for that amount of money, why would he take $8 million? Well, guess what? Because no one's going to give him four years at that price. So why is he going to take four years at $10 million if he's not going to get that price? So in typical Patriots fashion, he'll come to the Patriots for $8 million. And then after the season, after they win a Super Bowl, he'll go back onto the market and then he'll get his $100 million deal where probably from what Miami. I like, how you, just, I like how you just threw that in there. After yeah. they win the Super Bowl, <laughs> well, it's just it's just typical Patriots fashion. Like they they yeah. go from they go from they go nobody from talking nothing. about them. Yeah, like it's all over. Nothing. Brady's gone, Gronk's gone. It's all over. They, they go from nothing to then all of a sudden having Cam Newton and possibly Jadavian Clowney just like that with no money. So yeah, like 
it's just it's just crazy that's the way they're able to do things but like yeah and that and that's the kind of thing that they were able to do when they were able to get the money back from Antonio Brown and, and Aaron Hernandez of all people so you know it's yeah. sad it's sad to bring those names up, up again but it's interesting to say that like when we bring it up and, and I know from a fantasy perspective but Antonio Brown does he have any chance to play in the league this year I mean maybe there's been rumors that he could be signed Tampa Bay was somewhat interested um but I'm sure he's going to pass. Like he's going to get reinstated or whatnot. I know he was suspended for everything that happened and whatnot. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm in a well, fantasy draft now, and he was he was drafted. So he people hasn't technically, are yeah, just he hasn't in case. Technically, he hasn't technically served a suspension yet because he hasn't been on a team to serve a suspension. Yeah. So he has sure. to like get signed by a team and then serve a suspension, correct? Yeah. He's got suspended, but he hasn't served any games because he hasn't been on a team to serve any games. So, but who knows? I mean, Antonio Brown's obviously a hell of a football player one of the best in the league when he's playing. So, I mean, some team might take a flyer risk on him. Who knows? Maybe the Patriots. <laughs> Again. <laughs> you know? Right, Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, I think the Patriots, they're doing what they do best, right? Cam on a one-year prove-it deal. you got a motivated guy coming off an injury who's a Super Bowl um, pl- uh, playing quarterback. He made, took his team to Super Bowl. He's a regular season MVP, um, and he's out to prove everybody wrong. And when you have somebody that's that motivated in that type of environment in New England um, with that no-nonsense mentality, I think Cam is going to be very, very locked in. Um, I think it's going to be all good things for the Patriots, especially for that offense. I was talking to you earlier last weekend about McDaniels finally having like a running quarterback and how much he could open that playbook. Now that he has, I think we're going to see something special in New England out of him this year. But before we jump ahead, like I just want to remind everybody, like my statement reigns true. Like Cam Newton is still not the starting quarterback of the New England Patriots. He still you has say to that, but it's not. And I'll say that, like, and and we we know this. Like Vegas knows everything. When they signed Cam Newton, his odds to be the starting quarterback were seven hundred minus seven fifty. When I checked the odds the other day, the odds were minus one fifty. And if I know anything about anything, that means that. Some New England Patriots personnel went to Vegas and they shoveled in some money <laughs> and said, "Hey, and they said, not so fast. We don't think that Cam Newton's going to be starting Week One of the for the New England Patriots just yet." And it's kind of understandable. Like you can't get these guys into camp yet. It doesn't look like there's going to be a preseason. And and, and then that was actually it got cut down. It did get cut down to two games. The preseason. No, Robert Griffin yes. III now is breaking news saying that the RG three. Yeah, that that there's no <laughs> there's going to be no preseason this year. Now there's no preseason. Okay, and if I and if I know anything about anything, it's that the Patriots playbook is like the Da Vinci Code. Like Cam Newton's just not going to be able to break into that that playbook and do what he needs to do. So it would not shock me if if they turned around and they made Jared Stidham the quarterback week one just to kind of get reps in there. Like you know, it's not going to shock me at all. If I know anything about the Patriots, the season doesn't start until after Thanksgiving. Like it's just the way it is. So, do I think Cam Newton's probably <laughs> they'll the get best him ready for get him ready for those games? Do I think Cam Newton's the best quarterback talent wise when he's healthy? Yes. Do I think he's educated enough on the Patriots offense as of right now more than Jared Stenham? Absolutely not. So, to say that he's got the job right now, I'm not ready to give it to him yet. So, we'll see. All right, man. Let's get into what I believe is going to be your favorite segment. Uh, we're going to be talking some golf, and this is our betting segment. We're going to stick to golf. My guy's ready to go because um, that's what we we hit on some things last week, Steve. Um, we were talking about the uh, tournament last week. This week they're at the Memorial, same course. Um, Memorial is one of the biggest tournaments um, that there is uh, throughout the year, and the difference about difference this year is that they just played the course uh, the prior week. Um, so that's brand new for this year. Um, and to add – I guess some whipped cream on the top end of the cake is Tiger Woods is back this week. The Tiger goat back Tiger's back, which just means golf is just more watchable now because everybody, when Tiger's playing more eyes are watching. So a little recap, we kind of got into it a little bit um, at the beginning of the show with how last week's tournament played out with Thomas and more going into that crazy playoff. Um, but betting wise to get into uh, the people that we talked about last week, um, I mean, we were kind of right on the money as far, except for a couple of picks. Wouldn't you say, Steve? I mean, our outright stunk. I'm not going to say that we weren't, but what I what I preached was, and and I'll do it, and I'll start off the segment by saying the fact that we're going to be a little more active on Twitter this week. 
is what we thrived on was the head-to-head matchups. Um, yeah. the, the matchups prior to the round, I think when you start watching four rounds of golf and you start seeing these guys form and you start seeing that, that the way that, uh, the, the, uh, the books start matching some of these guys together, you can definitely start taking advantage of it. I think we took advantage of the top 20, top tens, top five finishers. I think our outright stump, you know, but those are the yep. long shots. Those are the ones that, you know, like when you, when you put in prior to the, uh, the tournament, like, you know, like you're, you're praying. And that's what we said at the beginning last week. We was like, hey, you can't just pick one guy. When you're betting outright yeah. winners, you got to bet like five guys, four to five mm-hmm. guys. Because to bet one, it's you just got a long. Even if you bet the favorite, golf is just so unpredictable. It's it's just a long shot. Um, but we were way off on some guys. We picked some guys. We said we both said Kepka. Kepka missed the cut. I was all over Matt Wolf. Matt Wolf missed the cut. But we did both say Justin Thomas because he had a, a week's rest. We said look out for JT. JT was there. Hovland and Morikawa, I know I've been on those guys the last few weeks. They were there. Um, and you had a couple of guys. Uh, what was your guy? Norlander? You were talking about Norlander a lot. Norlander, Norlander my, who my was up there. He was, he was, did he, he end up finishing top 20, I believe. Top 30. Um, he, he felt, he fell out late, but he, he was, he was competitive for most of the weekend, which was nice. To see. Yeah. And like you said, it's, it's tough to do that, but the bets that we find, you know, we're having better luck on is, is the head to head matchups and then the top 10 and top 20 finishers, which at our book, we can't bet until later on in the week. So we're just waiting for those days to come where we can look at those matchups and we're betting trends here. And like, I'll even go, go back to, uh, you know, my guy, Ricky Fowler, you know, he had a great day Saturday and you had said, me and you talked about a Saturday night. You said, what are we doing? We're betting against Ricky on Sunday because after a good round on the weekend, he's blowing up. And what does he do? He goes out and shoots a 73. Only problem with that is we couldn't bet it because our book was a little wacky this weekend. But we were right on the money with our trends and everything like that. So those are some things you got to look for when you're when you're betting on golf. Yep, and it was the same thing with Matsuyama. Like we, Matsuyama is a shitty putter, and we got him in a great matchup versus JT on Saturday, and he started off hot, and we got a great number in that matchup, and we clearly knew JT was thriving with better iron game, and JT thrashed him in typical Matsuyama fashion, pooped his pants, you know. So that's what we're learning. We're, we're playing trends, and and we're going to continue to do it. And like I said on Twitter, we'll be more active for our, for our fans to make sure that they're able to keep up with us this week. So right now we'll go through the course. And this week, as Mark mentioned, we've got Tiger back in the field, which means that not only do we have Tiger back in the field, but we've got basically everybody in the field this week. So it's a major field. It's a major field. Like, it's crazy. And just like a major field, like, you look at it, guys that were 30 to 1 last week are now 55 to 1 this week. You know, because the field is that good this week. So mm-hmm. we're going to go through it. And as we talked about last week, they're playing in the same golf course this week. And and that means that they didn't touch anything. The, the only thing that's going to be different is the pin placements. So the rough's grown out. So if the players hit the ball in the rough, it's going to be worse. But what we learned is that the players last week hit 70% of fairways. So stay in the fairway, you'll stay out of trouble. We're going to find out that the green, the greens are less receptive because they aren't watering, watering them as much. Mm-hmm. We, they're going to have tougher pin placements. The greens are just going to be faster in general. So, you know, I'm going to, my metric this week is strokes gained approach. That's going to be my key metric. And we're going to keep going with guys that are great iron players. So I know we mentioned it last week and you looked at it. It's funny too, because Morikawa was the winner so I knew his odds were going to go up, which is crazy because I know that he just had it. And I, and I told you last week that my hope was to, if you really wanted to stick it to the PGA, that I hope that the same guy would win this week if he won last week. So more back to back weeks. Yeah. Yeah. More power was what? 28 between 28 to 33 to one last week His odds yep. are 22 to one this week. So, which is crazy because then you've got a guy like the goat Tiger Woods in the field his odds are 25 to one this week. And, and that's the one that really gets me right. Because I'm not betting tiger. You might bet tiger. I'm probably going to bet tiger. Tiger's won me some money and tiger plays well at the Memorial. And you may not think it, but I said this to you, man, I think he actually played well in that charity match with Brady and Manning. He was his iron play. I mean, his putting was a little off, but his iron play and his driving of the ball was really, really good for somebody who has who just doesn't play in tournaments as much. Um, and he's, I mean, he's the best player in the world, in my opinion, or ever. So, I mean, it's tough to bet against him. And it's a course, like you said, it's a course that he knows really, really well. He's won there multiple times. It, at 25 to 1, I mean, it's hard not to throw a little bit of change on him. 
and try to win something. Because if he won, it wouldn't shock you, right? If Tiger Woods goes out and wins, would you be like, oh, man, I can't believe Tiger Woods won? Probably this not. Week, I, yes, this week I would. Really? Honestly. First, Honestly? first, first start of the year. Because it's his first match, first, first start back. Yeah, I mean, but my thing is, like, you could have put him as the top one of the top five odds of the week, and people would still have bet him. Like, you could have put yeah. him inside of fifteen to one. And it's just a fan aspect up. of it. So, if the book, if he wins this week, the books are going to get wiped out because at twenty five to one. Everyone's going to bet him. Casual fans, aggressive fans, big money fans. Like everyone's going to take that 25 to one and probably put some sort of money on him just because it's Tiger Woods. So it's, it's very, very enticing at that number because just because it's Tiger, I just don't think it needs to be there. So that's definitely a number that's probably going to move, but I won't be touching that number. I know you're going to be touching that number, but there's no way that I'm going to be touching it. It's a good that's number. For, it's a good you number. Can help, you you can help Tiger. me count my money when I win it. I mean, if you're a big believer in Tiger, then good for you. But I'm, <laughs> I'm probably not going to bet Tiger. He's just I'm a hard guy to bet against. Like, I mean, nobody expected him to win the Masters. And nobody's expected him to do what he's been doing since he's been healthy. You know, he's just, you know, it just I, like I said, it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't I shock just, me if he won. I disagree, I disagree with that. I, I felt like he was trending at the end of that past season that going into the next year that he was probably looking into winning a major. Well, he won you the know? Tour Championship. So, yeah, I mean, I so guess. I, you know, I mean, obviously that was a small field, but you know, you could clearly could tell that his golf game was coming around. But like you said, like this is just the first start of the year. Like a lot of these guys have already played five events coming into this year, and plus we already have guys that just played this this golf course last week. So that's yeah, but like that I'm, doesn't matter. The last week, I mean, Tiger's played this every year of his career and has won here multiple times. So knowing the course isn't going to be an issue. So I don't think I, I don't think the guys playing last week are having an advantage at all. I, I think there has to be a little recency bias though, right? Like I think guys that played on Sunday that had good rounds are basically probably going to probably have some sort of good reads coming into Thursday, Friday. No. Oh, I agree. Like I agree with like riding the momentum. Like if you shoot, if you shot a good round on Sunday, then I mean, like I, John, I like going like that Rom, route. John Rom 18 to yeah. one right now. John, John Rom shot 64 on Sunday. John Rahm is a phenomenal putter, but like he's a guy that has to scramble at some. And and what we've learned is like if these if these roughs are going to be that bad, like you don't want to be a guy that's scrambling that much. So like, do you play John Rahm eighteen to one, knowing that he's coming off a sixty four on Sunday? Is that something that you look at? I mean, we talked about it from dart throws. Like we don't like to play those guys that high in the odds. Like we kind of want to look at guys that are going to be forty and higher, and then we want to kind of. Hope that those guys ride a wave, and then maybe by Saturday or Sunday, hope for it for uh, an advantage. Like I know Leishman was a pick that I had last week, and I know that he fell off, but that's another guy that's got great irons. And yep. and the thing that I know about anything is just because one guy f- has a bad week doesn't mean that you should kind of like fall off what you know best about it because that's when you make that mistake, right? Like you get off a guy, and then then boom, like that. And there and you go, exactly. And then he's back on it again. So you know. So that, that's kind of like where I'm looking at right this week. So, I mean, Daniel Berger's back on the field. Daniel Berger hasn't played in a few weeks, but, I mean, that's a guy that already won earlier in the year and then had a T2 later on the next week. So he's at 33-1. to one. What's crazy about Daniel Berger is before he won that first tournament, he was 90-1, to one, which yeah. is great Which is great odds. So at 33-1, to one, while I think Daniel Berger is a great player, is 33 and one enticing enough for me to probably bet a pre round uh, winner for him, knowing that he hasn't played in a couple weeks? I don't know. Maybe, no. Yeah. I know that you like. Hindenburg has been the hottest golfer this year, though. But he has. So, I mean, played. even with being laid off, I mean, he was laid off for four months or three months before the season started back up and he came out and was winning tournaments. That's true. So, that two week rest, who knows? He That's could true. just be if he's still hot. I, I definitely like that. Um, and then we're not even talking about our guy too. How about our guy Bryson? Bryson's Bryson. back and he's back in the field, coming off of a win. His most recent uh, tournament that he was in, he won. Um, unfortunately, he's not matched up with Brooks Kepka. Kepka no. will be paired up. Kepka will be paired up with Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy. The PGA is so they missed soft, out. PGA man. missed up out on, on that. Missed out on that, huh? They just stink, dude. Like they just <laughs> like for whatever reason, like they just miss it. Like if you would have just paired those two together, like you would have gotten such a great viewership on Thursday and Friday to what like you feel like like Thursday and Friday is the hardest for people to get a viewership for golf coverage just because it's such early round coverage. Yeah. But I 
but you're already going to have Tiger in the field. But if you could have had those two in a grouping together, like you would have had some great numbers for early week coverage. And then, and then we'll see how the weekend works out. But I think that's a huge mistake for them. I know we hope that we rooted for that and clearly knowing what their rivalry was. Obviously Brooks came off a terrible week, started off plus five, but what we talked about and I, and I, and I made this uh, comment to you, I think it was Saturday morning was Brooks almost made the cut. He finished yeah. minus one. He actually had, went minus six in his last 10 holes to actually make it interesting. Yep. And that's something that I kind of like was like, all right, he really stunk for the first 27 holes of the tournament. But for some reason, that last nine holes, 10 holes, something must have clicked. He really turned a gear. And then immediately they, they have 30 minutes after the tournament to declare if they were going to play the next week. He immediately came out and said, I'm playing the Memorial. He wasn't planning on playing the Memorial. Immediately came out and said, I'm playing the Memorial. Now, did that have something to probably do with the FedEx points and him probably needing points? Probably. But that means that he's now playing three weeks in a row, which is very un-Brooks Kepka. Like, if anybody knows Brooks yeah. Kepka, he's somebody that only likes to play majors. He doesn't really care about anything like that. But something really kind of, like, chirped him a little bit. And like I said, like, those last nine holes, while he didn't play a good week, kind of might have gave him a little momentum, which made me feel that while I wasn't very happy with my pick last week or one of my picks maybe just maybe he's not somebody that I want to jump off that bandwagon just quite yet. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, what do you think about, I know one of the guys that we had talked about as far as a later pick, um, we both really liked uh, Patrick Cantlay. Uh, we both said, I believe if he goes into Sunday, a few shots back, we're, we're betting him. Yeah. Wait All, easily. Just wait. Don't bet him up front. Wait till yeah. Sunday. And Just see where he's at on Sunday. Because if he's within contention, if he's like five shots back, like better. Yeah, five shots. Like, I would say he's, I, I would say five and under. Like if he's if he's five or, or less shots back, better. Like better this everything. dude, this dude on Sundays, the last two years at this course, he came back last year at the memorial. He came back down seven strokes. He shot eight under and he won the tournament. And then he shot what was it, six under, seven under this past Sunday? Eight under. Eight eight under. under. There you go. He shot eight under. This past Sunday, so the dude absolutely goes off on Sundays. He absolutely likes this course a lot. So wait, do not bet can't lay on Thursday. Wait till Sunday, see where he's at, and then if he's within, like I said, those the five fewer shots, I would say, then go after him. Bet the house. I would, and and, that, and that's what we we're going to talk about, like. Like when you get those matchups, like head to head matchups Saturday night. Well, who's Patrick Cantlay facing? Take him. If if he if he's outside Easily. the top, if he's outside the top twenty, and you and you can place a bet on Patrick Cantlay being a top twenty finisher, take him. Top ten finisher, take him. Like look for those chances to be able to find a guy that's going to get hot in the right window. We saw it like Mark said last last uh, last year. He was actually five shots back rallied back had a great round took down martin kamer this year was nowhere to be found and next thing you know i i woke up and he was seven under through the first eight holes of the of, of the final <laughs> round yeah and and while he finished eight under he could have been easily sh- close to 61 he missed he missed putts like you know that he was into- when i tuned into it because i saw what by the time i woke up I saw that he was like you said seven under whatever through his first whatever holes, yep. and then when I started watching it, he was putts just like right outside the cup, like just skimming the edges. Like the dude had he was seeing cups. He was putter was on point. He was playing very well. His iron game was very strong. Um, so I guess I wouldn't bet him on a Thursday, but Sunday definitely go that route. We're definitely gonna find and and I'll tell you what and and there's guys that we're gonna attack. So there's two guys that I've been targeting now. Justin Rose, he absolutely stinks right now. Like, and you're getting great odds. And you're talking about head to head, head to head matchups, right? Head to head to head right now. Like for whatever reason, Justin Rose loses to everyone head to head. Like I've been following his head to head matchups the last few weeks, the last few tournaments that he's been playing in, and it seems like everybody he plays, he stinks, and his numbers show it. Like he hasn't done anything well. So, like, that's a guy that, like, this week in these, this tournament, and I think his number right now this week, which is crazy for Justin Rose because how good of a golfer he's been in his career, 50 to 1 to win a tournament now. So, I'm not even coming close to touching that. Talking about a former world number one golfer. Absolutely. So, and then another person that people continue to love that absolutely stinks right now is Jordan Spieth. 
I want to remind yes. people right now, Jordan Spieth has not won a tournament since 2017. I can't say that enough. He has not won a golf tournament since 2017. We are he is not, not the same Jordan Speed that almost won the career Grand Slam or one year. He one is year. not. He is not. Like, people want him to be that Jordan Speed. He is not anymore. So we're attacking him. Like, and, and the books continue to give him a great number in head-to-head matchups. And it's the same thing. It's the popularity foul here. We Dude, especially on the weekends. If you can get him in a matchup on the weekend – just hammer that because his weekend scores are through the roof right now. And I think it was early on when we first started doing this, Mark, you were actually on matchups against him. And I was that guy that was like, yeah, but it's Jordan speech. Like, yeah. you know, I like, took Ben you know, on, I took Ben on a few weeks ago. And I, was like, Jordan ben, I was like, Ben on, <laughs> you know, yep. Ben on, you know, and it had but, nothing to do. And it had nothing to do with how Ben on was playing. Yeah. It had everything to do with how Jordan speed was playing. But so yeah. it's, it, if you knew Ben Al was going to go out and shoot even even par or one under, you and on the weekend against Jordan Spieth, you bet it because you know Jordan Spieth is going under uh, is going over par easily. And that's, they, and that's what the book keeps doing. They keep putting them against golfers that you're like you scratch your head and you're like, but he's playing that guy, you know. And he's going to continue to get good odds because he's Jordan Spieth, right? The books are just going to use his name. Yeah. And his likeness by and to to create these odds, and it doesn't matter who he's playing. But these Absolutely. matchups, I'm telling you, look look at them closely because you get some money went one off those. Absolutely. So we're we're gonna go that. So we'll, we'll we'll finish up with our with our golf thing with just a couple of guys that I'm probably gonna be targeting like in that that mid range this week that I, that I like for numbers. The guy that I think I, I I brought up that I've been really impressed with so far this year, and I was never really known to him was Abraham Anser. And Abraham Anser is 50 to 1. And this is a guy that's got great iron game, got great composure. He's a really solid putter. And and once again, like I'm gonna I'm gonna preach it. And I know we preached it last week. Like, this is a course that I just care about guys that just get on the putting surface and have opportunities to make putts. I don't care if they're shitty putters. I really, really don't. There eventually some of these putts are going to start going. Like we're going to talk about Harold Bonner again. He's one twenty-five to one. He did it again this week. Like he just kept missing putts. Like I, I I can't express that enough. Like he kept finding fairways all week. He kept finding greens, but he could just not mm-hmm. make putts. Eventually, these guys are going to find putts. Adam Hadwin, we mentioned him last week. He was he was uh, he was T two to finish the first round. Right, he was minus six. He never got higher than minus five the rest of the weekend. Just didn't do anything. Just could not figure it out. So we're going to go after Abraham Monster. That's going to be the guy that I'm going to be on this week. I'm probably going to put a little money on Leishman again just because I can't help myself because I feel like it's going to be that that uh, like I was a week too early on him or I gave up on him. So I'll probably go back to that again. And I'm going to go – and I really like the odds on Joaquin Neiman. Neiman really played mm-hmm. solid, I thought, and he's been a very solid player all year. He, he kind of was kind of stationary, but he didn't really, really play bad this week. So I'm going to give him a look. I think his odds right now are 66 to 1. And like I said, like that's the kind of the guys that I kind of want to throw dart throws on because if these guys can have solid rounds and get us up to Saturday, Sunday, the hope is that if they're in the top 10 come the final round or even in, in contention in the final round, we can start hedging these top players and we can start making some money on Sunday. There So before we end this golf segment, I just want to give the people out there just some quick uh, definite, uh, I'd say our, our picks are what we like. Uh, I'll, I'll just start by like naming five guys going into Thursday. That's basically all we can bet right now. So um, uh, five guys, I'll start, Steve. I'll go. So my five guys I already said, I'm definitely throwing money on Tiger Woods. Like I said, I think just his knowledge of the course and he's won there multiple times. He's obviously going to be motiva- motivated to be back. Um, I really think he could uh, maybe pull out a win this week. Um, I do like the guys that played well last week. I still like Justin Thomas. He's right on the cusp of winning. And he's the type of guy, he's a major championship winner. Uh, he's the type of guy who he's – the putts that he was missing to win, he usually makes those. You know what I mean? So he was that close to winning um, a week ago. So I like JT. Um, I do like uh, Morikawa. I bet on Morikawa for a few weeks. He finally won last week. Um, it's hard to bet against him knowing what he was able to do um, at the same course last week. So I do like him. And then two kind of 
long shots, I'd say, um, at plus 4,000. Uh, we talked about him earlier. I do like Daniel Berger um, a lot. He's won this year. He has the second-place finish this year. He's been the most consistent uh, golfer all year. And um, like I had mentioned earlier, I don't think the rest is going to bother him too much. Um, we just saw a guy like Justin Thomas who was on break, and he came back and he played lights out. Um, and Daniel Berger had the whole co- uh, COVID rest where he had months off, and he came out and he looked very, very solid. And then the last pick I'm going to go with, don't anybody out there follow me on this because it's probably not going to win, but I'm very, very biased, and he's also plus 4,000. And I'm hoping he plays like he did last Saturday and early on Sunday, but I'm going to go with my guy Ricky Fowler because I'm just going to keep hammering Ricky until he wins a damn tournament. What do you think, Steve? Who do you got? Who's your five? My five? All right. So so my five is I'm going to take Abraham Answer at 45 to 1. That's going to be probably that my, my strongest play that I'm probably going to lay this week. Like, I'm going to go. I'm, I love Webb Simpson. Like, so Webb Simpson 28 to 1. Yeah, I, I almost said Webb in my five. I do like I'm that. Gonna, I'm going to probably go with Webb Simpson. I, I'm going to take Neiman up there. My long shot this week probably is going to be Corey Connors. I'm going to take mm-hmm. 125 to 1. Oh, and then we're going to go back to airing out some grievances. So, so day, day job, I'm a postal carrier. And I, I told <laughs> I told you all about uh, for you guys out there who don't know about about Champ last week, and wouldn't you know it? I'm dishing out some Golf Digest this this today, and and Champ obviously was dog poop this week. And look at look at this guy on the front cover of Golf Digest in my face all day, just shoveling it out. And I and I got to read. Look at his smile. And it just says Rocket Man after he just cost me money. So I'm sure he'll have a good week, but I'm plus six gets that. you the cover of Golf Digest. That's exactly, remember that. Yeah. Congratulations, Rocket Man. Thanks a lot for that. So yeah, so I'm gonna go answer. I'm gonna do Leishman again, which I, you know, it is what it is. I just like the trend on that. Um somebody had mentioned uh Kevin Kevin Na. Ke- so Kevin Na is interesting this week. So he's 125 to one. A couple weeks ago. He had to withdraw because of uh, for his back. So I'm not going to recommend this play. Now the thing about Kevin Na is he's very good with his irons, and he's somebody that can definitely be in contention for a tournament, and especially a tournament here. So it's not going to surprise me if he if he finds his way in that. I'm not going to recommend him just because I don't know how healthy he really is coming into this. And if we know anything about Tiger Woods and back injuries. The last thing I want to do is recommend somebody with back. But so I'm going to throw that out there and just say that maybe Kevin Na might be a good play this week if you want to get risky or gamble or just maybe throw five dollars on somebody because five dollars for what one twenty five to one will get you what twelve hundred fifty bucks, Mark. Yeah, I mean that's do a it. scratch. That's a scratch <laughs> ticket, right? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's nothing. So you know, like so that that's kind of like what where I'm at with that. So. But like you said, there's guys at the top that, you know, like you can really jump on. I mean, Morikawa obviously coming off his, his win is going to be a trendy pick. Tiger's going to be the, the trendy pick. I think Kopka, Kop, uh, Brooks is going to definitely – Kepka. Kepka. Kepka is going to do a lot better than what he did last week. So he's definitely going to be a guy that I think is going to rebound well, especially the way that he came back and said that he wanted to play this week and the way that he closed out. And I said that to everybody, that you gotta you got to watch out for the way guys close rounds out. And, and, and I do feel that, you know, having some sort of like, and, and I, I know you, like if you play well in golf in any time, it's, it's a mentality thing. You have to have some sort of good emotion going into it. And I'm sure yeah. if you had a bad round somewhere that you're probably not going to want to go back to that same course and play that, that same course again. So yeah, you know, golf is huge mentally. You got to be mentally in the right mind state in order to play well, you know? So, so that's where I'm, so I'm at. So so that so D, DJ is back in the field, eighteen to one. So you know he's just another guy that you know you can't really sleep on. At, it's at so it's thing. so funny because like Bryson's back in. He just won last time he played. We're not talking about Bryson. There's so many guys out there that could potentially win. It's um, the number. It's the number ten to one. Like we've talked about like, yeah. from the get since we started jumping uh, jumping into this. Like we just don't want to bet that 10 to one, just because you really got to put a good amount of money on it. If you really want a good return. So I want to continue to live in that 50 to higher range on Thursday. And like I said, like, let's try to win money the other way, right? Let's try to win head to heads. Let's try to win in hammer the weekend. Hashtag hammer the weekend. 
Yep. And then let's try to figure out other ways to be able to be profitable. And like I said, we will, we will win it outright. It will happen as long as we're, we're picking the right guys in the right situations. So that's the hope, but yeah, that that's where I'm at this week. So I, I think, I think Abraham answer is going to probably be my play though this week though. All right, perfect. All right, everybody, we're going to wrap up the show. Um, like Steve had mentioned earlier, make sure you stay tuned to our Twitter pages. You can follow me on Twitter at lovethegame underscore MB, and you can follow Steve at slewis5656. We'll keep you updated and posted on all our golf picks. We'll be looking at certain matchups uh, that are posted and obviously our top 10 and top 20 finishers as well as those odds get posted later in the week. Uh, so we'll be tweeting about those. Also, make sure you guys go follow at Unwrap Sports for all your latest sports news um, and make sure you stay tuned to them for the latest schedule for the uh, new Unwrapped Live segments um, every day during the week. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of For the Love of the Game for you guys. Until then, peace, guys. Ciao. Hope you guys enjoyed another episode of For the Love of the Game. Make sure you go follow myself on Twitter at lovethegame underscore MB and my co-host, Steve Lewis at S Lewis five, six, five, six. Also make sure you follow the unwrapped sports network at unwrapped sports for your latest sports news. And we'll be going live with the show, um, every Monday night on the live lineup of shows presented by the unwrapped sports network. And if you're listening to this podcast on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you guys rate and leave us a review. We would really appreciate that. That helps us out a lot with the show and lets us know how we're doing. Again, thank you for listening to this episode and we'll be back next week with another episode of for the love of the game. <laughs>